Welcome to the Visceral Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Christine Schneider. And I'm your co-host, Kimberly Doreen Burns. Through this podcast, we aim to bring you the most current, up-to-date research on voice science, function, pain science, movement, and everything in between. We also aim to bring you information and perspective from all angles of the theater industry. I am on a quest to learn everything I can about the living, breathing body and its intricate connection to the voice. This podcast documents the continuation of my learning and my experience as a professional singer, a nutritional consultant, a movement practitioner, and a manual therapist. And my learning as a professional performer, voice, acting, and musical theater educator. Join us as we strive to provide current, knowledgeable, creative, and compassionate information to help you restore, regain, and create happiness and success on your vocal journey. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, Kimberly and I have a great conversation with Dr. Drama or Elisa Hurwitz. Elisa earned her Bachelor of Science degree in psychology from Brandeis University and her Master of Science and Doctor of Psychology degrees in clinical psychology from Long Island University. Dr. Hurwitz provides cognitive behavioral therapy for children, adolescents, and adults, as well as family therapy. Her clinical areas of interest include diversity and identity, spirituality, trauma, and LGBT+. Her specialty areas include providing individual cognitive behavioral therapy for children, adolescents, and young adults on the autism spectrum, structural family therapy, and providing therapeutic support for transgender individuals who are in or wanting to begin the transition process. For every client, Dr. Hurwitz employs aspects of positive psychology in order to utilize individual strengths in treatment and views the person as a whole being who is more than the sum of his or her problems. As you can hear, uh, Elisa has just such a profound um, depth of knowledge in so many different areas. And so we tackle it very quickly in a very short amount of time, but to cover so much and the fact that she works with young adults on the autism spectrum and with the transgender community and with the theater community, it was just awesome being able to take some time and sit down with Elisa today. So here you are, Kimberly and my conversation with Elisa Hurwitz or Dr. Drama on our mental health series, Consider Yourself. Hello, Elisa. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. We are very excited to talk with you today, your private practice, Dr. Drama. So very much involved in the demographic of the podcast, the listeners of the podcast, as well as the demographic that Kimberly and I both work with. So we are thrilled to have you on our mental health series. Thanks so much. No, my pleasure. Thank you. I would love to start with you just kind of talking about your journey into becoming Dr. Drama. It definitely wasn't what I envisioned when I started graduate school, which um, I love the idea that, you know, two things. One, you can never dream big enough, uh, a mentor of mine used to tell me, because you just don't know where life is going to bring you. And um, being open to riding that wave um, really 
really opens you up to opened me up to, you know, to going, going different places that have been so rewarding. But yeah, when I started graduate school, I mean, I had it in mind that I was going to, you know, um, do family therapy and private practice. And that sort of came true. Um, although I ended up, so, you know, 15 years, you know, professional, uh, in the, in the profession and, and doing family therapy, but I ended up really landing in a specialty of, uh, uh, working with, um, people with autism and then also working with, um, folks who are transgender, um, non-binary genderqueer. And that's been really meaningful. I did not know, I uh, did not see that coming 20 years ago. And I'm so happy to, to be here. Um, and then the Dr. Drama part came in, um, because I did get to a point in my career where it was kind of mid career and it was comfortable. I wanted a challenge. I wanted a learning curve, not saying that there wasn't at work, the chat, you know, challenge, but it's different. It wasn't like that learning curve kind of challenge. And, uh, I've been a lifelong passionate lover of musical theater. Um, and it just came to me as an epiphany one day. Why don't you bring your, your professional knowledge as a psychologist to theater? Because the overlap between psychology and theater is immense. Um, and so Dr. Drama was born from that epiphany as a passion project and, uh, has more, has just, it's gone many different directions, consulting with shows, um, doing live talks, um, uh, interviews, um, written pieces. It's just kind of, I let it be what it, what it needs to be. Alisa, what kind of things do you help our musical theater actors with? I mean, what kind of issues do you feel like is your specialty that you help people sort of hone and figure out? You know, I, I talk mostly to actors in a non- clinical setting, you know, so interviews, um, I do in my private practice, I'm not in New York, I'm in New Hampshire. So I do see, I do see people, you know, mostly teenagers who are involved with theater. And, and so we have that same language to speak. I'm unable to understand kind of the, the, the culture of, of, you know, being involved with theater and then be, um, we're able to use, to use songs to, kind of elucidate ideas, you know, so for example, I'll even, you know, to non-theater musical theater people, I'll recommend the song, you know, um, uh, uh, anybody have a map to parents of teens, you know, to say like, this is a thing that parents deal with, you know, this is normal, like listen to this song and, you know, see if you relate to it. And, you know, in my non-clinical role as, you know, Dr. Drummond interviewing actors, so I'm not helping them in a clinical sense, but, you know, we just talk a lot about, uh, things like identity, um, like taking care of your body because your body is a tool, you know, including voice, the de- destigmatizing conversations around mental health um, as well uh, is, is part of it too. So can you tell us why you think that your work with actors and mental health is closely related? Can you tell us why you believe that so strongly? Very similar to, I think, what what I do as a psychologist, as a therapist, I am the tool. If I'm not well, I can't be present. I can't um, kind of give it away if it's not in the tank to share. So I'm just on that level. I think that, you know, actors, you know, have, a, have, have that, that requirement, so to speak, to be, to be taking care of themselves so that they can give it away on the stage. Um, but their physical body is literally the tool through movement, through song, through, through spoken voice. 
you know, if you blow out your, now you're, you're the expert, Kimberly, but you know, if you blow out your voice because you are, you know, going out to a loud bar after pre-pandemic life, right? <laughs> a, a loud, a loud setting, you know, after our show, you know, then, then you, you don't have it the next day in a really real sense. It, it's your instrument. You have to take care of your instrument. Yeah. Well, I, so one of the wonderful things I wanted about our mental health series is getting together these incredible practitioners like yourself and then taking the listeners through kind of a sample or a little journey of something that you might either be really passionate about right now, or just kind of a sample of your work. That would be amazing. Would you have anything to share with us I mean, two things come to mind just because it's, it's, you know, recent in memory and I'm passionate about both of them. We just had Broadway Con, um, which was virtual this year because of COVID, which was great because it made it in, in this way and made it really accessible for people. So that was awesome. Like people who just geographically couldn't be there or, you know, had, had physical limitations. So I, I loved that. Um, and so for the second year I did a panel, I hosted a pan, moderated a panel about, um, mental health and musicals, but this one was specifically focused on kind of navigating your mental actors, navigating their mental health during the pandemic. Um, and, um, it was just a wonderful discussion, um, with Haley Kilgore, who was in Once on this Island, uh, Brittany Mack, who's in Six, um, Sky Lakota Lynch, who was just in Dear Evan Hansen, and um, Leslie Margarita, who's in Emoji Lane and Matilda. Um, four people who I've had, I have an Instagram series called Musicals and Mental Health, where I have a different actor on um, every episode. And they've all been guests and all people, four wonderful humans who I just adored talking to. It was a very open and, and honest discussion. Um, and I love that about mental health, about their experiences about the impact of systems um, on mental health, like bigger kind of macro things like like racism. It was just a really beautiful conversation. I love having those conversations, um, uh, you know, with people, um, uh, you know, and, and uh, kind of um, facilitating, facilitating those discussions. So here are these, you know, big Broadway stars talking about dealing with anxiety, dealing with depression, dealing with self-doubt, dealing with imposter syndrome, and it normalizes it. Your Instagram, Musicals in Mental Health. Yeah, I want to know more about that. I just started asking, what's that about? Yeah, <laughs> so that was born out of the pandemic. Um, I think the older I get, the more I think about how can I be of service. I think some of that comes from the, hopefully, the stability that you get as life goes on. Not that life, life does get more stable, but also I think hopefully we get better at riding it, you know? Um, so I just feel like as I get older, I just have, I have more to give away. So when the pandemic hit, of course, you know, we're all in, we're all in our own feelings about it. And I had to kind of process that whirlwind of those first few weeks. Um, and then, and, and then George Floyd's murder happened and, um, and, and, you know, and so it was just a really heavy first few weeks. And then I thought, okay, what can I do to be of service? And again, it was an epiphany. It was just like, well, all these actors are around, like they're probably more available. Like, let me have conversations about mental health. We are all going through it. People are starting to realize that mental health, that doesn't mean, oh, you have a diagnosis. That doesn't mean, oh, you know, you're different than the normal people, quote unquote. Mental health applies to all of us because it's the entire range and we all have to take care of our mental health in the same way that we all have to take care of our bodies. 
it was an epiphany. Like, let me just host these conversations live on Instagram. People can interact. Uh, viewers can interact. Um, and let's talk about it. And gosh, I, I, I can't even, I probably had about 80 episodes and it was, you know, just person after person who, you know, from makeup designers on Broadway to like Tony award winners talking about their experiences with mental health. And it just, it was, it was, uh, it's been amazing and it's been meaningful and it's been connecting and I've put it on pause for now because I went back to work in my office. Um, and so that I kind of, I need to make space to adjust to that. Uh, but it may, I, I may pick it up again in maybe a slightly different form, um, or, or not. I, you know, we're kind of going to see where the need is, but that's been just absolutely incredible. And I've been humbled by the, but the number of people who have said yes to being, um, part of that conversation. And that's some of the work predominantly, it sounds like those artists were in New York city or had been on Broadway, had experienced being a professional performer at the highest level. You mentioned that you live in New Hampshire. So for those who are more local in the shows or just some of the actors, um, transgender or non-binary, how do they find you? Okay. So in my capacity as Dr. Drama, you know, it's just kind of knowing people and connecting people at the area. I've worked with um, some local theater companies, um, consulting with, with their shows. Um, for example, uh, cultural arts playhouse, I consulted with their production of next to normal, you know, and that was great too, to like be involved with something, um, local. Um, and I want to shout out local theater, community theater, regional theater, summer stock. Um, I consume, I, I frequent all of those, you know, Broadway is wonderful and magical and all theater, uh, to me, all theaters where it's at, you know? Um, so I just want to shout that out. And then, you know, in terms of, um, folks who are trans, non-binary, gender, queer, they find me one of two ways. One is that in my clinical practice, I, I have that specialty and it's very, it's very hard to find somebody who specializes in gender identity. And there's a particular, um, obstacle that trans folks have to getting medically necessary treatment, which is that Insurance companies require them to have a letter from someone like myself, the detailed letter, basically proving that they are trans. They find me out of necessity um, or, or because they have mental health stuff going on, but especially in New Hampshire, to find somebody with that specialty is pretty hard. And then I also am a couple of days a month part of the uh, gender clinic at Dartmouth, um, the p- uh, pediatric gender clinic um, for uh, trans trans youth because it's a clinic and it's interdisciplinary. You know, they, people find us because we you know, are known for for being a place to get gender affirmative care. Fontis lozenges provide moisturizing relief from dryness with a unique formula that stimulates saliva production to assist with dry mouth as well as the recovery of hoarse or strained vocal cords. Fontis offers a unique blend of green apple extract and glycerin to assist in saliva production and manuka honey, which contains antibacterial and anti-inflammatory properties to promote healing. Fontis were made with love by Caitlin Hopkins to help anyone who needs relief and is suffering from dry mouth. Please contact us at The Visceral Voice to purchase your bag of Fontis today at thevisceralvoice at gmail.com. So what does consulting on a show look like? It looks like pure happiness to me (laughs) because I love sitting in rehearsal rooms and I'm not an actor. I'm not, 
I'm not a creator in that way. And so, first of all, just to be in that sacred space, it just, I I love the process, Um, love the process. So, you know, yeah, I mean, sitting in the rehearsal room, it means can be anything from, you know, a show that that has has an established script, you know, has an established libretto, you know, talking more about character, um, consulting with the actors about, you know, in rehearsal about character and and how something uh, on a technical level maybe maybe feeling like withdrawal from going off of a mood stabilizer or what the motivation for that may be. For new shows, I'm a consultant on a show called Indoor Person, a play that was uh, premiered off-Broadway right before the pandemic. Similar, similar process sitting in the rehearsal room and, and talking about, you know, some of that, those technical aspects, but discussing how something can be presented in a way that makes it emotionally true and technically true. That's where I think I can be most helpful because I understand drama. You know, I understand theater. Um, and so, you know, if they get a psychologist to come in who doesn't know, um, they're not going to necessarily know how to, the, the importance of weighing both, right? Because it's not a documentary, <laughs> you know, a show, a play is not a documentary about, you know, agoraphobia. It's got to be emotionally, uh, true without being grossly misleading. And then, you know, I've also consulted on, I think just one show that was immersive theater, but talking a lot about. Uh, talking in that case about emotional impact um, and how to make people feel emotionally safe and physically safe in an immersive experience that can be really, really compelling, but really triggering and, and how to kind of give, give people time to decompress or space to decompress. You brought up Next to Normal. Now, for those of our listeners who don't know, that musical has one of the most in-depth mental struggling characters ever written in musical theater. And we're talking about Diana, of course. Yes, um, absolutely. And I've actually, interestingly, you know, unsurprisingly, I suppose, consulted on that show more than once. Um, You know, that's one of the top mental health musicals. I mean, it's, you know, Next to Normal comes up. Jeremy Hansen, Grey Gardens, I would say. And then basically every Sondheim show, (laughs) you know, in a, in a, in a, you know, just as soon as you kind of uncover it, it's like, oh, this is all psychology. Every show is in a way, but those are the kind of the obvious ones. Okay, great. Let's move on to our signature questions that we ask every guest. So the first would be, how often do you think about your own voice, whether it's your physical voice voice or your metaphoric voice? Yeah, I love that question. Uh, And I want to answer it in both ways. You know, in terms of the literal sense, I used to speak in a higher register, um, not super higher, but my voice sits a little lower than, you know, than most cisgender women. You know, I can look back now and see like, oh, I was, I thought I was trying to, I was trying to make it fit into my, you know, what society says, what, you know, what feminine is. And again, I'm using quotation marks and the more comfortable I got with just being myself and just this is, this is my form. Um, this is my shell. This is my, you know, this is the vessel that I come in. The more I was like, whoa, like just let it sit where it sits. I am a, I am a female. I'm a woman. No matter, you know, if my voice is, you know, like, you know, high, like Ariel in the little mermaid or it's, or it's, you know, sitting here a little lower. I mean, you could be Betty Davis, you know, register and, and, you know, she's no less of a woman. And it's, you know, this, those little, those 
those voices that that speak to us that are doubting or or internalizing that misogyny you know that that idea that feminine has to be has to fit into this box so i just i i love that i love that my voice i just years ago just kind of like let it sit where it sits and and totally comfortable with that and then figuratively you know it really goes back to um, what we were talking about before working with um, trans youth and adults, I work with, I see adults and kids too, who are trans. So just the trans population, I have a voice. Um, I have, you know, I have white privilege. I have cisgender privilege. Um, I have economic privilege. So if I'm not going to use my voice to stand up with groups of people who are marginalized, what good is my voice? What am I using it for? This is for me. This was kind of, this is and very relevant recently and kind of speaking up with the trans community um, about some stuff that that's been going on in theater in terms of representation and erasure. I might not have the reach of someone like Sutton Foster, you know, uh, uh, you know, or, or someone like that, but I, I have my reach and I have my voice um, and I, I feel really passionate about using it to speak with people to who who have been marginalized to use it for good. What is some advice that you would like to give an aspiring young performer? I would say to them, just like was said to me, you can never dream big enough. And that doesn't mean that big is like for me, it doesn't mean that big is being the head of the clinic. I don't even know that I would want that, frankly. You know, it's so big doesn't have to be leading a show on Broadway. Big, I think, is expansive as opposed to heights. Where can this take, you know, be open to where it can take you. And I, the other thing I think of is about being authentically yourself because, you know, because there's only one you in that role, you know, can only be taken by you. You know, and so kind of like I was talking about, you know, my own arc and finding my voice and using my voice. I, I think the same is true for, you know, for performers um, in making sure there's time to connect with yourself so that you are bringing yourself to, to your work. What is something new about the voice that you have currently learned? I guess I would say that, that uh, using it from a place of uh, uh, values and passion makes it even more powerful, makes it even more powerful. And I think you kind of don't realize, again, I don't know that it's like a number of people that I can use my voice to reach. I think it's who I reach, you know, and speaking up, I think about like, you know, speaking up on social media, like, you know, against transphobia or against racism or against misogyny and that there are, especially on social media, right? Like people will just say whatever, like they, you know, uh, cause they're not face to face with you. And that empathy factor isn't there, but if I can lead with welcoming in instead of pushing out, I maybe can make, help somebody hear that message. But even more importantly, if I'm standing up for, uh, you know, so non-binary youth with somebody who's saying something that's transphobic and that person doesn't change, but there's one, per, one person who reads that, who feels seen, that's the power of speaking up. And that's the power of using my voice. Hmm. Yeah. So Alisa, what are you currently learning? Um, it can be, you know, towards your profession or even a hobby. I'm always learning technology, <laughs> like not in a complicated way. I just mean like, 
oh, how can you make a Zoom, you know, meeting work this different way? Um, it's not very interesting, but it's like, I, I feel like I'm of a certain age that <laughs> I'm 42. No, I'm 41. I always forget. Um, and I feel like I'm just a little too old to like for that to all feel comfortable, you know? So it's always like, wait, I don't get, I, I have no idea how this works, you know? Uh, we are right there with you. Right. <laughs> it's, it's been, a, especially doing Dr. Drama for these past, whatever, four years, huge learning curve with using technology, um, as a tool, as a tool of communication, as a tool for my voice. Um, and so, yeah, that's always what I'm learning. I'm right now in the process of trying to figure out how to zoom in a specific way. And, uh, and, and <laughs> I'm keeping my, I'm, I'm learning from someone who's teaching me and keeping my ears open because I'm just clueless. What do you wish that you would have learned sooner? I, I always have a tough time with that thought process and maybe it's just my limitation, but cause I always think, well, if I changed anything, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. And how would I know I would even know the things that I learned if I changed the trajectory? I don't know that I begrudge any one of those experiences, you know, that brought me to the place that I'm at. I know that's not the question you're asking, like, begrudge, like, what do you begrudge or what do you regret? But like, it's hard, it's hard for me to flip my mind in that way. Um, I get, if I could pass on what, what maybe I've learned, I would say to spend time with yourself, to be connected with yourself, to be your own best friend not in the murdering way that Roxy Hart did it, but in the like knowing yourself way that <laughs> not in the narcissistic way that she did it in the knowing yourself so that you can, you can get, like I was saying before, can give it away so that you can be connected to what your values are and do work that, that is consistent with your values. Um, so that you can speak up for your boundaries, right? Boundaries are so important to our mental health so important to our work. That's what, that's the advice I would pass on if somebody asked. Alisa, if the listeners would like to get in touch with you, if that's okay, what is the best way for them to do that? So I am, I am on Instagram at the Dr. Drama. So T-H-E-D-R-D-R-A-M-A. I'm on Twitter um, with that same handle. Um, my website is drdrama.com. Doctor as D-R, not spelled out. And, um, and I have a, you know, a, contact form on there. People can contact me. I'm very reachable and I'm very responsive. Hey, amazing. Elisa, thank you so much for coming on today, taking the time to talk with Kimberly and I. It has been such a pleasure getting to meet you and talk with you. Thanks so much for being here. No, thank you for having me. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please tell your colleagues, students, and friends to subscribe, rate, and write us a review. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook. And feel free to check out my website at www.thevisceralvoice.com for information on programs and upcoming events. I hope you join us next time for another wonderful conversation on The, the Visceral, Visceral Voice. Voice.